and we're going to keep it 100% faithful for you all. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening worldwide. You are now listening to the hottest us, the Rebel Nation, and the most hype OFC. That'd be me, Christian, the hype man, slash life from debt for University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And we got a spot all up in your detachment today. Okay. So this message is for anyone out there in a supervisory role, uh, whether you're a standard supervisor or um, you're, you know, a commander or you're a CEO or anything that involves motivating people, getting people to do what you need them to do. All right. Uh, I kind of want to speak on motivation, purpose, and inspiration. Okay. All of those things are related. And the fact that if you utilize these tools, you will get the mission done a lot more efficiently and you'll have a lot more creativity as it's getting done. People will commit themselves to it because you've aligned it properly uh, with the techniques and procedures that have been, uh, that have withstood the test of time. And you will also evaluate what happens when you do not have those things tied together, right? You'll see that things are not done as, as efficiently or as well as you would visualize them to be. And a lot of that is on us as supervisors, as leaders, as managers, right? A lot of that is on us to make sure uh, the mission gets done and it's efficient, okay? So let me just talk to y'all for a minute. Let me kind of just instill this kind of idea in your minds that this is, we, we play a bigger part of this, right? So as leaders and supervisors, okay, as commanders, we have a mission, right? Whomever we work for, whether it's Google, whether it's the United States Air Force, Department of Defense, um, you know, Microsoft, wherever you are, there is a mission that needs to be done, right? And most of us know what that mission is overall, okay? So it is our jobs as, you know, senior management or middle management or tactical management to do our part to get our folks to do what they need to do so the mission gets complete, okay? But uh, you guys realize that the strategic mission gets lost in translation because it's, you know, it starts at the highest level, right? It's a top-down uh, structure for the most part. Uh, most companies are top-down, meaning it, the direction comes from the top and everybody else follows suit, okay? But sometimes there's, the strategic mission gets lost. Like, what are we doing here, right? And that's where, Strategic management, that's where tactical and operational management come into play. That's where we come into play, right? Especially here, uh, whether you're in ROTC, JROTC, or whatever, that's where we come into play, right? That's where we're tested. That's where we uh, be, uh, get become stronger in those areas, okay? We get the mission, right? But it's our job to make sure that we instill that mission into the folks who actually do the mission. Right. How do you do that? Right. How do you get that? You, you could just tell them. Right. That's a, that's a way. Right. You could just say, you know, well, the mission of United States Air Force, the, you know, X, Y and Z. Right. And I need you guys to do that. Well, OK. Yeah. But is that going to be translated to the folks that work for you? Is that going to translate properly? 
right? Is that going to get them up and get them going, right? That's debatable, right? Some people would like, God, yeah, who cool, got it? That's all I need, right? But, but for the most part, if they don't know what that's about, if you're a new ROTC person into the organization or you're a new person in a company, that doesn't translate to a lot. That says because the boss told me to. And is, is, is that enough for some people? Sure. But what could the... Uh, could we actually contribute more to that? Can that person contribute more if we actually applied a little bit more to it? The answer is absolutely yes. So when I'm taught, what I want to tell you supervisors and leaders and commanders is don't just tell them the, you know, the boss wants it, the commander wants it, the CEO wants it. That's not enough. It's our job. It is our responsibility to take those high level orders translate them and buy them ourselves, right? We have to buy them ourselves. And even we're not even prone to buying it if it's just because of, you know, the supervision told us to, right? Our bosses told us to. We have to actually align it to our vision and say, I understand the purpose of this. What is the purpose, right? Do I align to this purpose, right? Is it legal, ethical, moral, safe, secure, effective? Right? Is it all of those things? Can I can I get behind it? Can I get on the boat? Right? And also, on a personal note, do I believe in this? Do I believe in this? Because that's a huge part of it. If you don't believe in something, it is very hard to be to get efficient, creative results. Right? You might get a result, but it might not be as efficient. It might not be a hundred percent solution because somebody's not getting behind it. So it is our job to get behind that mission set first, right? We have to take the vision of the hierarchy, right? And then we actually have to turn it into something that we can visualize. Once we have all that down and we are motivated, we have purpose, and we are inspired to do what we do, then we can embed it into others, right? Now we can actually align it, right? There should be no reason that you have a vision and then you say the commander wants it or the supervisor wants, or the boss wants it. That doesn't make any sense, right? You have to make sure that the people that work for you also have the same alignments, right? It might be at a lower level, right? But they need purpose. They need motivation. They need inspiration, right? You need to embed a vision into them so that they can actually fuse it with, with their, what's going on in their lives. Because what motivates you is might not be what motivates them. The purpose is the same, but the motivation and the inspiration might be a little different. So you have to give them a vision to go off of. You have to give them the why, and you have to kind of let them hybrid that into something they can use because they might have some kind of other personal agenda. They are on your boat, but they have to align it to themselves. And it's very hard to align to statements such as the commander wants it, the boss wants it, right? It, it's very hard to get behind it. It, it. it actually give you some significant results. So it is our responsibility. I want you all to remember this. It is our responsibility. It is our obligation. Yes, it is our job as supervisors, leaders, um, you know, inspirations, of inspires of people. That is our job, is to make sure we understand the big mission, 
and they were able to translate it to something that we can use so that we can instill it into the folks that are actually doing the mission. Because as CGOs, as young middle management officers, a lot of it is going to be translating that to those who work with us, um, our enlisted ranks or those who are actually doing the job. And it is, it is one thing to instill that vision, right? And they think they got it, but it's another thing as well, if we have a responsibility to do, we have to actually follow up. We have to, so because some people fall off the, the boat sometimes. They fall off the wagon sometimes. They forget, right? They, they, they don't understand. They have completely forgotten what our mission was. So you have to kind of go back down and say, oh, okay, it sounds like you've forgotten what we're doing here, right? The reason why we're doing this is because of X, Y, and Z, right? And you just simply put them back on the boat and put them in the direction that we're going into. That's not necessarily a bad thing. That's maintenance. That's leadership maintenance 101. If folks know that you're willing to take the time and actually break it down, they will appreciate that and they will actually produce more. They'll actually give you more ideas. They'll actually start coming out with creative edges in order to make those things happen because you're actually making that happen. Remember, it is our job. It is our obligation to do this. If you're not doing this, you're simply wrong, right? If you're giving them the wrong reasons, the wrong purpose, the wrong motivation, the wrong inspirations, and you expect them to perform at 100%, you're wrong. You are in the wrong direction. You are on the wrong boat, all right? So I want y'all to make sure as you guys are talking to those who are working with you, those who are learning from you, right? Make sure you lead with purpose. Make sure you motivate them and make sure by the time they walk away from you, they have a vision and they're inspired. Okay, let's go. Sweet ladies and gentlemen, we are back. It's been a few days. Oh, 14 spins around the axis. I believe what 14 days it's been a while since we've been here, but Hey, we had some things to knock out. So we had AFSCs dropping. We had all kinds of craziness happening, but we are back. We are back and we're here to let you guys know that we are not canceled, that we are still up in your detachment. All right. And if you don't like it, you can just change the channel because we are back and we are here to stay. We're not going anywhere for a long time. All right. Now, if you are here too, you need to celebrate that because we, it could easily be not here. All right. So I'm happy to be here. I'm blessed. Thank God and thank the universe. You guys need to do the same. All right. Whatever you guys, whatever floats your boat. All right. But we are here to give you that some more of that information, that flavor in your ear, that Craig Mac. All right. So you know how we doing it. Yeah. <laughs> OK. So with that being said, you guys know how this goes. Going to start with the roll call with the crew for the day. All right, they're gonna, uh, it's gonna be a sign, countersign kind of deal. So I'm gonna call their names. They're gonna let you know they are in the building. However, they want to let you know that they are in the building. Okay, and then we got some special stuff for you all today. So buckle up and hold on tight, cause here we go. Starting off with our Projo for the day. Got Cadet Cooper. Let's rock and roll. All right, then you have the showboat, literally the boat's navigator, you have Cadet General. In the house. All right. And then you have Cadet Wade, the first in command out here. Yeah, buddy. Hey, make sure y'all hitting the gym, all right? Okay. 
And then today we have a special guest that you guys probably definitely care about here the at Detachment 004. Literally, like that way said, the brand new flavor in the air. All right. None other than Captain Amy P. Chronister, who is actually replacing me next year. Give a hearty howdy to everyone out there. Looking forward to meeting everyone and learning your rebel flavor. All right, sweet. So go ahead. Let's go ahead and get it out. Where's your alma mater? Oh, you know, Sledge, I am a 100% bona fide purebred Aggie from Texas A&M University. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they, the cadets know that that's coming and they're going to ride that till the wheels fall off. So uh, expect that one to come through. Okay. So with that being said, this is the crew for the day. We're going to have plenty of fun out there. We got a lot going on. So we're going to go ahead and start with Cadet Wade. This is his turn. Cadet Wade, what is on your mind, sir? Captain Sledge, you know, I was planning on throwing that right back at you. Because I've been, you know, me and you, we've talked a lot. We've been here quite a while. What? I'm in my fourth year. You're in. This is my third, third spin. This is my third spin. We're racking up those years. Been too long here. But we've talked quite a bit about, you know, the, the institution of Afrati, how well, you know, we do as a detachment to create future officers, how well we are, you know, improving ourselves and the POC core and such. And if our values and what we do really sets the example in the way for the GMC that come through our program. So we've talked about that quite a bit, but I think it's beneficial for everybody else to hear about it as, you know, me and you have, you've been the OFC for around two years right yeah, now. that's about right two years somewhere around there mm -hmm. driving the shit for quite a while you know producing officers and then um i've held previous roles as operations group commander um detachment standards standardization and evaluation positions where i have to work with you quite a bit in order to make sure we're doing the right things mm -hmm. you know the important things cadet cooper was on that ccv train you know if you remember those good old times all aboard yeah buddy <laughs> Yeah, we were rocking and rolling back then, but we would always talk about, you know, how how is it like for you, sir? Because this is a never ending battle and there's always new problems, new cadets. And every one of them brings, you know, different issue. You always say I got 150 cases every day. So, I mean, what's the life of the OFC, the cadre? And, you know, what you know, how was the week for you? How does how has the semester been for you? How's your time overall as an OFC been here at that for? Man, I can definitely tell you, uh, OFC has definitely changed my perspective of life. Um, it's hard work. OFC is hard work. Um, unlike, uh, you know, my experience as RO, right? I'm not saying that that's not hard work, but it's hard work in a different perspective. So I'm glad that uh, Captain Cronster most likely will come in as the RO. Um, OFC is definitely a different challenge, and it literally has to do with developments, the development side of the house. Um like, yeah, like I said before, um, and like you've mentioned, I, I do say that all the time. I got 150 cases, right? And I know cadets um, mention to me all the time, I'm Sledge, man. I'm, I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired, boss. You okay, know, I'm Sledge. <laughs> uh, excuse me, Captain Sledge. I, I have a question, sir. I'm just, I'm just going through some things right now. It's like, man, I, I get it. Typical cadet activity. Uh, typical cadet <laughs> activity, right? Um, so, and, and that's, that's, that's my job to be available to, for, for all of them. So, um, and, and that's my job to get, uh, render out that advice. But a lot of people forget that I'm a human too. 
um, and I go do things myself. I have a family as well. And um, I, I switch hats and sometimes I switch hats back uh, after I'm, you know, put my kids to sleep and everything else like that. I got to switch hats right back in there and, and, and hack out something that needs to be finished um, and, and putting in that late night, you know, work along with y'all. Y'all might be working on school assignments and that's cool. I'm right there with you doing OFC stuff. Making mm-hmm. sure we're clear to launch. Yep, burning that midnight oil. Man, I've gotten those Sunday night emails from you. Man, you know, look, we need to get it done, and and we gotta have it happen, man. Yeah, and that and that was the old me. I've learned to schedule, right? Okay, 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 I got yeah, it. We had to teach you yeah. how to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did get taught. Yeah, and, and that's and that's again that's courtesy for on my end, man. I just be getting it in. I don't even think anything about it. I'm mm-hmm. not saying read it at two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. At least, and that's from the past, right? But the point is, you know, um, it, it's there because I I won't go to sleep unless it's done, mm-hmm. right? So, um, that's just me, and that's just hard work, and and it gets exhausting sometimes. And sometimes, I mean, we 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 had a a talking to earlier today about some yeah. of the activities that's going on with the cadet wing and. And man, that just drained me, man. I was like, man, that's that's rough, you know. But um, that's a that's a, a shout to our resiliency out there, right? It, it's how you bounce back, right? I mean, it's okay to take a beating like that sometimes, but um, you know, shout out to all those who have strong resiliency who can take some critical feedback and then come back and and, and uh, be a little bit stronger. But my advice to all of y'all is to is work on that to constantly reflect on that and, and have consideration for others because others have a lot going on in their lives and man like it's it's just been a heck of a ride and and, and but my job is to take care of my people that costs nothing that mm-hmm. part of it costs none of my soul because i'm that's my calling that's what i want to do but sometimes when people are just not motivated themselves to do what they need to do um, it, 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 that's when it starts draining you, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, and I'm going to share some of this with, uh, Captain Cronister. I know she's coming in, but, um, is, is there, were there any points that, uh, you had, that you experienced out there, um, whether in the space force or, or just in common life where, you know, your resiliency was at the test? Oh, absolutely. I don't think there's a job or a career out there that at some point you don't feel tested or you don't feel drained. Um, and I'm definitely, uh, I take after you a lot as my mentor and where I pour into people, uh, as much as possible. Um, <clears throat> and currently in my assignment right now, I'm geo batching. So my family, my support system are all uh, at a different location and I'm here. So I found that I have been pouring even more so of myself into my flight and my unit, just because I'm able to do so. Um, and at times it can be very, very draining. Um, but I think it's really important to to take the time to get to know everyone as best you can and to know yourself. And when you're young and coming out of college and even as a brand new butter bar or a new captain, you still don't know all the intricacies of yourself. So taking the time to figure that out. Um, prime example, I ask a lot of my older colleagues, a lot of like the civilians or the GS uh, personnel we have working with us, what they did over the weekend. And half the time it's, oh, I stayed home and I didn't do a thing. I just stayed home. And so I tried it and I was like, oh my God, 
I kind of like this. <laughs> um, I don't do it very often, but the weekends that I can, just me and my dog stay at home, not leave, are pretty uh, helpful when it comes to recovery. Okay. Well, cool. We appreciate that. So with that being said, hey, we got, uh, hope that satisfies your question there, Cadet Wade. Oh, yeah. That got, that got, that was a good one. All right, sweet deal. So we're going to go ahead and pass it on to the the ship's steer lady, that'd be Cadet General, to lead us to the next area. All right, real quick, um, Cadet Wade had some comments about the new PSP requirements, if he wants to touch on those. Yeah, Kem Sledge, I was wondering, what are your thoughts? I mean, obviously, cadets around the nation have probably been shaking in their boots with the p changes of PSP coming around. And if you ask me, they're not changes at all. Those are things that we've always done. They just went away for a little bit mm -hmm. with COVID happening and mm -hmm. all that. So things such as BFA, BMI and all of that, and then a passing AFOQT score are now required before going to field training. Do you, I mean, is this a big deal now or is it a standard that we should always be holding people to every day in and day out as they come through this program? Man, so uh, so the changes that, that are happening, um, yeah, like you said, they got they got – that sent ripples through all the ROTC. I'm sure folks are key and peel sweating and, and shaking in their, like you said, shaking in their boots, like, man, just, just panicking in a panic. Right. So, um, and, and to get you spun up, uh, Captain Cronister, that is, um, and you might, you might be able to attest to it. Uh, did you have to pass the AFOQT to be eligible for PSP? Sorry, PSP? Uh, the POC uh, selection board. Field training. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we had to pass uh, AFQT. We'd have a passing PFA, um, and our command had a not a command. Sorry, our university had to put us up. Yeah, so that's what I thought. So, so back in the day, that's what that's what it was. And then I think it was COVID. I'm not 100 percent sure what changed it. So that uh, for a while, and you know, until a couple of days ago, you only needed to uh, have attempted the AFOQT. You didn't necessarily have to pass it to be eligible to go to field training. Um, just a couple of days ago, it got dropped by headquarters that, nope, we're back to where we originally were. So uh, given that this is in the middle of the semester, you can clearly tell that this is going to cause havoc and panic and folks are just freaking out and, and, and running around with, 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 their, with no clothes on because they don't know what the heck to do with themselves. Yeah, PSP right around the corner. I mean... I mean, it's literally right around the corner. So obviously, uh, that's what uh, Cadet Wade is asking here. Um, obviously, we we have our opinions about it as as cadre. At least I have my personal opinion about it. That is no way associated with the Air Force or Space Force or anything, right? Um, timing is is was is very important to me, and that I don't know what message uh, we were trying to say that, that was being sent by that. That's just my personal opinion. It's just, I guess they just want a more ready airman. They want a more ready guardian. They want, they just want them to be ready. I'm not hundred percent sure. I salute sharply and follow orders, but um, I, I know for a fact that's caused our people to go into a panic. And I know if debt four is going through it, then all the other detachments are probably going through it too. Um, I know personally as debt four, a lot of our sharpest cadets um, accomplish what they what the the AFOQTs and all that stuff on the back end. They come back from field training and they you know they 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 take their AFOQT again with a lot of pressure off of them and they end up performing a lot better since they've seen the test before and things like that. They attempt it the first time and fail it and then they come back and pass it after field training and all those pressures are off of their shoulders. That 
from from what it looks like, that's not going to be an option anymore. So that's going to affect us for sure. And if it's affecting us, then it's going to affect other other cadet wings. Um, so uh, I mean, and naturally, that's going to affect all the other performances. That's going to yeah. that's going to affect PT performances. It's going to perfect uh, mess with cadet performances, uh, lead lab performances, AES performances because that, that that pressure is immense. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Air Force does has a reason why it does what it does, and we just got to follow suit, and we're going to salute sharply and adapt as we always have been, but that's not to say that these cadets are going through it right now. Yeah, I I mean, the standards have been put higher, and I mean, I think it's a good thing because those are the standards that are accepted or required before you commission, and I don't think that it's something that cadets should be scared of. You should look at it and rise to the challenge. Like the nation is calling on you to be better and be the best to go out there and lead people whose lives are at stake. So you should be ready and willing to step up to that at any time. You know, if you're not, I think if you're not meeting BMI or BFA and PSP is coming right around the corner and, you know, you're waking up every morning, you're brushing your teeth and you look in the mirror and you don't, you don't like how your body looks and you don't care enough to say, man, I'm not satisfied with this. I need to be better. Then that might be an internal problem. And as cadets come through Afrati, I mean, you and I, we've both learned that military is not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Definitely not for everybody. But raising those standards definitely helps us find those who are going to be good and going to benefit the people around them. So I think that bringing the standards back to where they were is a good thing. Okay, And that's that's fair. And that's fair. I mean... Uh, I'm all about timeliness. And that, that's usually uh, to me, if I had a preference, if I had a preference, it would be during the summers when everything is down, yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know, curriculum changes and things like that. You know, I mean, that's when we're doing all that stuff. And that's exactly. when we're, we're revamping everything um, in the middle of the semester. Man, then you got to send that shockwave out. And then you just get that, that yeah. instant feedback from from, the, you know, the cadet wing. It's, it's crazy. So I mean, duty calls. Yeah. Duty calls. Yeah. So um, but again. I know all of the detachments out there will salute sharply and they will execute uh, until directed otherwise. And um, and I, I definitely wish good luck to those out there uh, who who have to take the AFOQT and, and need to do uh, what they need to do in order to, to meet this board. I, I want you guys to make it out there. I want you guys to be successful. And I would never wish for you guys to uh, to be in a panic state. But we th- th- these challenges happen all the time. When you think you got a plan and then... Life just drops you a bombshell. So, um, I, I like I said, I'm praying for you guys. I know you guys will do awesome. Don't give up. Don't don't lose the faith. Just go yes, out sir. there and do your thing. Mm-hmm. Lock in. Sweet. So, yeah. Um, if I just made my two cents on that, I think um, ultimately, yeah, it stinks, especially coming out of the class that uh, we didn't we didn't have to pass it. We just had to attempt it. Um, and I know there was previous classes with BMI, BFA, where it wasn't like you have to pass it type of a situation. I get it. COVID-19 sucked. It it kind of uh, threw a wrench in everyone's plan. So that's why they did it. Um, but yeah, as much as it sucks, it's ultimately finding the people that are better. And then for those who do make it through and have those requirements done, you know that you are better because um, you actually did it. You did the hard thing. You you, you studied the AFOQT. You passed it. Um, you lost the weight that you needed and stuff like that. So it's it, as much as it sucks, ultimately know that we're going to better our Air Force and you're going to be a better person too, like overall holding yourself to those standards. 
Sweet. Okay. Um. Next, we're gonna move into. We got a lot of time for this because we kind of uh, wanted to dedicate this with our special guest. Um. We're gonna try a uh, chat with Captain uh, Chronister today. Um. Kind of just get to know her. Um. Kind of ask her some questions, and then um later on, um. And if uh, after we kind of get to know her, we'll play. Uh. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? And then finish this sentence. So, Captain Sledge, do you want to um kind of jumpstart this with some questions to? Kind of get um, Captain Chronister talking about herself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so here's the deal. So I definitely want to, before I throw her out there, I want to give her a formal introduction. Um, Captain Chronister, uh, I met her at, you know, when she was a, a young lieutenant in, in cyber school. That was the first That was the first time I saw her was at 2019, January 2019. Um, I just got to keep her cross training from uh, missiles. And she was the the first thing she did was hand me a recall roster with a bunch of numbers and stuff like that. So um, that was the first interaction that that I had with her. She just happened to be passing around that. And then ever since then, the rest is history. So um, so she went down the line. We've been through some craziness in cyber school. Um, she, she, I remember seeing her like just going through some things, just going through. Um, you know, why the heck is this happening in cyber? Why is we, we why do we even have to code it this way? Like, what's going on? I don't think I'm getting this. I was like, you and I was like, hey, stop crying. Get crying <laughs> over there. Like she was over there at that computer just crying, crying, crying. And I was just like, quit crying. Like, we got we got work to do, right? Is we gonna get it? And sure enough, she got it. So uh after that, she got um, and I'll I won't eat so much of that um of a, her to introduce herself, but um, she got stationed at Nellis uh, with Afotech, and and I was literally got I got sent back to Creech. So ever since then, we you know she's kind of kind of followed me, um, asked me random questions about certain things. I got this troop that does this, and I don't know what to do with them because they're so bad. And it's just like oh my god, I don't know what to do. And I'm just like this is what I recommend, and she follows. So um, her results may vary, right? But it might not have worked. I might have given some bad advice a time or two. But anyway, she's still here, and I, uh, there's no one on this planet that I would rather see take my spot um, at ROTC than Captain Chronister herself. So, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you guys give it up for AP Chronister again. Okay, for the record, I saved my tears for the privacy of my apartment, <laughs> but there <laughs> have been legitimate tears. <clears throat> so, a little background. Yes, I went to the Texas A&M University. I was in the Corps of Cadets, the Aggie Band, the whole kit and caboodle. Um, I was a business major. I got to accounting, didn't do so great in accounting. So I found a cool degree program that still let me do business and pick up two minors and avoid accounting. Um, so when I was selected for cyber, I was very shocked and a little concerned. Um, as to the decision-making that was happening above us, but who am I? Salute smart and move on. Uh, so we get to tech school. Uh, I meet Captain Sledge at the time. At the time he was LT Sledge and he pinned yep. on there. Um, yep. Yeah, so uh, yes, it was definitely a challenge, but our entire class made it through every single phase without losing a single person um, all the way to uh, Security Plus when we had to take uh, our CompTIA exam, uh, mm -hmm. but it was very stressful mm -hmm. for me. I did, in fact, walk myself into my apartment every weekend before a test, and I hammered into the material that I was allowed to have home, and by the grace of God, I passed, and we are here. <laughs> <clears throat> um, 
I'll have a lot of like life lessons with Captain Chronister when I'm with you guys. Um, I know the stress about uh, your PSP stuff coming up um, kind of hits home a little bit with me and I'll explain that once I get there. Um, and my lesson with learning that good enough is not always good enough. Uh, one of my big lessons I also learned that kind of developed at tech school was also not burning bridges or taking one instance of a person and letting that carry out through the rest of your time. Uh, I had a not so grand interaction or a few interactions with one of my cadre members as a cadet. Um, so I black marked him in my mind. Thought he was an awful person, didn't like them. Um, get to tech school, we're at the phase where we're picking our next assignment. I have no idea what I wanna do. And all the other Aggies in my class, the class before me, the class after me, they're all like, oh, email this person. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Why would I do that? But then when you take a step back and I really evaluated it, everybody that went to AM during my time from our not so greatest cadet to the number one person in our entire commissioning class loved this guy, respected this person and everything. So I thought maybe, you know, I might be the one with the attitude problem. So I swallowed maybe. my problem. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. maybe. And I emailed him and I said, hey, sir, I don't know if you remember me, blah, blah, blah. Could you please help look at my list? And he was like, of course, I remember you. Super gracious, very kind, very helpful, very blunt and straightforward as he typically was, because I think one of the first lines in his email back to me was, by the looks of your list, I can tell you have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> so I yeah. took advice. He offered me a job working for him at Aflatech. Um, and he sent me an article. I read the article. It seemed to make sense, seemed to be really cool. It put me at Nellis, which is where I wanted to go. And bada boom, bada bing, like there we were. So it was great because again, Captain Sledge was there as well. His family welcomed me in with open arms for pretty much every holiday. I seemed to find kind of a fairy godparent every time I go to a new assignment, um, which has been really helpful. Uh, just having a neighbor or somebody there that's doesn't need to be there for you, but are there for you. Um, and it kind of makes this whole life and adulting thing really helpful, really nice. Um, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't invite everybody to my house, damn it. I don't <laughs> invite everybody to my house, okay? To meet my family and all this. You knew all my kids. You know all my kids. So yeah, that, that's cool. That, that's cool that you got to get to know that because not everybody gets to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Captain Sledge even helped like PCS some of my stuff just because I wasn't sure how it was going to do it all. And he he took some of it oh, for yeah. me. Yeah, she just had me hold that thing. She, I yeah. was like, you, you know what that thing is. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Wait, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. she was like, look, I don't know how I'm supposed to be traveling with this. Just hold on to it. Yeah, I'm kind of dangerous. I'm, ho I'm, ho I'm holding it for a friend. No. This is not mine. I had to tell you, singing. It's not mine. I'm holding it for a friend. Getting a little suspicious there. <laughs> yeah. Look, yeah, she's, within her, she's within her rights, Dag Dabbit. Absolutely. Everything was above board. Um, but yeah, so I went to Avotech. Uh, I worked for that guy, and I, I reasoned with myself. I told myself he's either going to be the hardest boss I've ever had in my life. He's going to hold me to every single standard above reproach. And I'm going to turn out to be one hot stuff LT. Or he's going to be really relaxed and this is going to be chill. And I'm in Vegas in your 20s. So how could this go wrong? Uh, he ended up being um, 
one of the best bosses I've ever had, quickly left. Um, we didn't have a backfill, so I quickly became him and uh, deployed overseas for six months to Jordan. Also super cool. We can talk more about that later. Um, and then I got my assignment here in Colorado Springs in Cheyenne Mountain. Super, super cool. Um, recently, my boss left the job and I am finding myself in this trend where my boss leaves and I take their job. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, look, 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 she comes here and she takes my job. Yeah. She takes my job. I'm pretty sure I literally texted Captain Sledge a few months ago. Well, not a few months ago, probably like a year ago today. And I was like, hey, man, how do I take your job? And he was like, <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> they're making my position a Space Force billet. And I was like, oh, man, if only we knew a Space Force captain that really wanted to go back to Vegas. And, you know, yeah. cadets and things, that's important, too. Well, look at that. <laughs> well, look at that. Well, look at that. And that's that's and, and like and I know we had a conversation on the outside AP. So I know that. um. On, like, you know, you know, your commander mentioned that is it is very rare to get what you want, exactly what you want in, in the you know, in the DOD. Right. And um, that's a blessing in itself because you got a lot of life things going on with you right now. And, and it focuses on around and is, you know, around being in the location that you want to go and the, doing the job that you want to do. So, um, yeah, that that's uh, a, a heck of a blessing to get. Uh, to be able to do exactly what you want. And it, it in the Air Force actually, or in the Space Force in your case, actually plays it out. You must be one good captain if you're able to get your job that you want. Well, I'm doing <laughs> slip. You just can't see it. There you go. Yeah. So anyway, so how much time we got, Cadet Cooper? We got two minutes. Okay, we got time for one more question. Okay, cool. So last question, uh, Captain Chronister, what is something that you would want the cadet wing uh, to know about you that it would be something that like, like, like you would want them to hear? Oh, Lord. Um... No pressure, obviously. <laughs> obviously, no pressure. You got 140-something cadets who, who are literally waiting for them to know something about you that they can use to welcome you with, or they know something, right? My class is definitely dying. Okay. <laughs> well, number one, know that uh, a hearty howdy will always be welcome response in greeting me. Um, know that I'm going to push you. I'm going to make you uncomfortable in the best way to make you ready for the uncomfortability that is being an LT in the world's greatest forces. Um, but know that you can always come talk to me. I preach this with my troops now and I have previously and we are all human. We all say and do things that don't always represent us in the best light or don't completely translate to the message that we're trying to push. So in the event that there is any confusion or concern my door is literally always open um there if you're uncomfortable coming direct to my face there are other avenues of reaching out and we can always talk after about how to best address any concerns um i have a lot of troops uh young troops for the first time and they don't necessarily want to rat out or um 
like tattletale on their fellow troops, but they also just don't know how to bring up an issue. Um, so I tell them just to tell me how it is, and then we'll talk about the issue at hand, and then we'll talk about the best way to pose or posture any concern you have. Cool. Well, I appreciate that. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, this is your newest cadre member inbound to debt for Rebel Nation. This is Captain Chronister. Now, for example, for like I said before, you guys, when I leave, you guys are not going to be alone. I will still be floating around. The reason why is this person has watched me um, and, and, and been under me for, for so long. But at the same time, she's going to put her spin on everything. So and you guys are going to get a brand new perspective. And I promise that she's going to lead you to glory. So with that being said, uh, we're ready to push on to the next thing with Cadet General. Where are we going next? Yeah. So real quick, bye, Wade. Wade's leaving. He's got work today. Wade in the wall. Don't forget to hit the gym. Yeah, definitely. Definitely Wade. go to the gym. Cadet Cooper. Cadet <laughs> <laughs> Cooper, did you hit the gym this week? Forgive me, Pastor of the Iron Temple, for I have not gymmed today. Forgive me, for I have not gymmed. Unacceptable. I go gym every day. I just got roped into uh, getting a pass to EOS. So, um, anyways, so yeah, bye, Wade. Have a good day at work. All right. So, we will transition now into some uh, reindeer games with uh, Cadet Cooper, Captain Sledge, and Captain Chronister. Um, so, we'll start with. Uh, uh, are you smarter than a fifth grader question? So if you guys don't know, this is a fun game where on the game show, it used to be a game show back in the day when I was growing up where there was the host where he would um, kind of ask uh, like guests who are on the show trying to compete for some money um, while also having a bunch of like fifth graders on the side and you would compete against a fifth grader in questions um, that you're supposed to supposedly supposed to get the information um, during grade school. Now, how much do I believe that? And how much do I felt that those kids were just wildly insane when I was growing up? Absolutely. Because there are some questions on there that I didn't even know when I was older. So anyways, but I digress. So um, it is just the four of us left. So we'll get started. Um, my question is for you guys. You guys want to start with math questions, history slash social studies, English language, English language art skills, a geography or grammar and spelling. Eesh. Oh. Eesh. Yeah. It's a wide uh, range of topics you have mentioned there, Cadet General. I don't want to do nothing. I don't even want to go back to fifth grade. You know what I went through when I was going through fifth grade? I couldn't even focus on fifth grade. <laughs> I couldn't even focus. I had so much crap going on at home. Look, we didn't even talk about that. I don't even remember if I, it's a blur. If it's a blur. Cap Crowster, do you remember fifth grade? Uh, I, no. <laughs> See, told you. Yeah, General, right. do you remember fifth grade? Because I barely remember fifth grade from my point of view. I peaked in elementary school. It was so good. <laughs> Literally, best time of my life. Not having to worry about finances. Not worrying about how to like, like get to from point A to point B. I just all I knew was I'd go to school, succeed in my classics or my class because that's what my report card always said, and then go to dance class. Literally gorgeous <laughs> the only thing i remember when i was in fifth grade was uh it was during we did a mock presidential debate and uh because it was during the ele it was during election year so that was the those like really the only thing i remember from fifth grade <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Okay. So uh, I would recommend Connect General just throw a topic out there all right, and, we'll and, and make us all look, make us all relive those memories right, that we want right. to get away from. All right. So, all right. We'll start with a math question. Ugh. If a football field is a hundred yards long, how many feet long? How how many feet long is the football field? That question's worded weird, but how long in feet is the football field? All right, is that for who is that for? Anyone? Okay, Whoever I'm going with it. I'm going with three hundred. He said a he's a hundred yards, right? And how many feet? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I I agree with uh, Captain Sledge. Three hundred feet. Yeah. Uh, I think I heard. Uh, yep, you agree too. Yes. Captain Connoisseur. Okay, yeah. Uh yeah, good good job, guys. That, Ooh, that's, give, a, give my, that's a give my hundred dollars. Easy, easy. Give my one hundred dollars. And I'm taking the money and I'm out. I'm taking the money, I'm out. I came out a hundred dollars richer. I'm good. He's cashing out early. He doesn't want to go for more. I got it. Got it. Got the money. As much because you know we're AFOQT, you gotta know that math, so it should be pretty easy. That's debatable, man. Like have you see my AFOQT? So I post them on the side on the door. And say I am clearly not an engineer. I was about to say that, Captain. <laughs> oh my gosh! I was like, "Look, that ain't my, that ain't my peep." All right. Question two of the math questions: um, If you need a half a cup of flour and you only have a one fourth measuring cup, how many times do you need to use it to get the right am- amount of flour? I answered the first. I got this answer, but I'm gonna let y'all lead. I'll take it. It's two. <laughs> I I agree with Captain Cronister too. Dose. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty self-explanatory. Once again, I feel like on the show these questions were a lot harder, but I just looked up some questions. So, but yeah, two is correct. Um, all right, switching gears to my favorite uh subject, history and social studies. Literally the best. Um, who founded the Red Cross? Oh man! I'm gonna be Civil honest with War. you. That was like Civil I do not War. know. I actually did not know. I I don't recall anything learning in my history class. No, I want to say it was it was due to like it was somebody like it came from it was birthed from the Civil War. It was a Civil War thing. I can't remember who that was. What do you what do you think, Cam Crowns? I know it's a, a lady. All right, obviously it's a lady. I'm pretty sure it was a female. I have no idea what her name was, but it was definitely in the Civil War. Yeah. See. Well, it was, it was the answer. Yeah, yeah. So it is It is a female, Clara Barton. Yeah, good grief. I knew that name. I knew that name, and I know she, she used to be a nurse in the Civil War. Yeah, that's like, I knew that. Dang. Well, awesome. All right, yeah, yep. So, all right, next question. Let's see. Um, Let's go with... Hmm... Okay, let's go with this one. Where was the region known as the Fertile Crescent located? Where is the region Fertile Crescent? Again, like, this is the first time I'm ever hearing about this. I have never heard about this any time in uh, elementary school, let alone middle school and high school. Like, even college. Like, I don't, I've never heard of this place before. Yeah, I got me on that one. Captain Chronister, you got any guesses? Y'all, I grew up in Texas. Half of our history classes were Texas history. It is is in Texas, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. No guesses? Let's. Can I give you a region? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, The Fertile Crescent? Yes. This is going to be so wrong, but crescent sounds like croissant, so I'm going to say <laughs> France, somewhere in Europe. 
Okay, so we're in Europe. Do you, uh, either of the other two gentlemen want to give a rough geolocation? Yeah, um, I'll just guess like different, like a region, like what uh, Captain Chronister said. Um, just Little Crescent, uh, somewhere like Northern Africa or something like that. Africa, Captain Sludger. Um, my guess is the Fire Nation. My guess is the Fire Nation. We're talking Avatar. Are we talking Avatar? <laughs> Airbender? We're we talking the Fire Nation. That's a crescent. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's the only thing I can think of. I got nothing besides that. All right, the Fertile Crescent is located in the Middle East. Why? Well, I couldn't tell you. I didn't get that far, but um, but yeah, I can look it up, and then um, at the end of the questions of you're finishing the sentences, we can go into that because I'm actually kind of curious about that. Cool. Okay, sweet. Moving on to English language arts. That is my weakest subject. I'm gonna fail so bad on this. Yeah, all right. All right. So we'll start with this. Um, who is the creator of the classic book characters Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn? Oh, I, yeah. I, I I know these characters, <laughs> but I did not do literature very well. Why was I reading these books? Stop. Why will we? Why? <laughs> Why am I reading this? What is this? This does not apply to me. It, it, it to me to me it did not apply to where I was where I was walking down the street. None of this mattered to me at all. So I'm not trying to argue the question. I'm just letting you know I did not care about literature because the stories did not apply to me. Right in San Diego, Chicago, and all those other places. Here's this place called Midsummer Night's Dream. Why purpose? Why do I care? But so okay, so okay. Oh, don't don't diss William Shakespeare, sir. I took a <laughs> Shakespeare class in high school. Yeah, That's all I, I focused I, on for you. I just could. I just couldn't. I couldn't I get behind it. I love Shakespeare. I couldn't get behind it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. I mean, I I gotta add on to the what Captain Sledge right there said. Is like I've been living here in Henderson uh, about it my whole life, and every time whenever I get the book list from my English language arts teacher in high school, there's just five books. I was just like, all right, let's just get through this. I could care less about. You know what happens in the book, and what you know when I do my book reports and stuff like that. I'm just, just trying to get through. <laughs> All right, Captain Connister, do you have any ideas? Notice we avoiding the question. I know. I'm so sorry, Captain Sledge. <laughs> he distracts me and gets me on all these random tangents. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> Who Look, who is who the creator? Give the dog on. That's the question. <laughs> who is the creator who of the cares? classic book okay, characters? Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Ask the question again. <laughs> Who is the creator of the classic book characters Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn? Uh, I want to say it's Mark Twain. Ding, ding, ding. Yes, ma'am. Good for you. I actually did know that one. Um, great, great classic book. Um, I did read those growing up. So, I, um, I read it, but I'm also equally as sure that I only know that because I think it was mentioned in like Easy A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay all right next question last one for the english language art section um doo -doo -doo. who's the author of the 1960 novel about social and racial inequity to kill a mockingbird i also read this in high school i yeah. read this book in high school too it, it like it was actually a good book uh was it ernest hemingway no no dang it's yeah, I was in advanced reading classes. I was reading Dr. Seuss at <laughs> in high school. I was like the I I the the title of it was exquisite. The way that the cat was rhyming and everything else and the perfect literature was just ex just 
proportionally exquisite. That's not even a word. I just created it. But what's the question again? Uh, to Kill a Mockingbird. Who's the author of To Kill a Mockingbird? Captain Chronister? That would be Harper Lee. Yes, ma'am. So we got a literature person around here. Yeah. Okay. And then to add on, um, also a great book, but to answer the reason why it's called the Fertile Crescent, going back to that Middle East, um, it is named for its rich soils and it's in the shape of a crescent that uh, cradles the Middle East. Um, I'll show the folks here. If you want to look at it up at home, it's called the Fertile Crescent because it's in a crescent shape and it's very rich soils. Okay. Moving on, because I know we're running out of time here. Uh, geography. Um, how many countries are in North America? Well, it should be just three. No, there's more. It's three. No, it's, there's, there's more. In North America? The, 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 no, there are countries below that are beneath Mexico that are considered part of North America. Oh, I guess so, man. Yeah. And maybe that was just the, the, the obvious answer that everybody would say. Commoner. Yeah. Commoner answer. All right, I'm out. I took, that's why I took my $100 and ran off. So I still got $100. He didn't want to lose it if nope. it was risky. Nope. I lost the literature. I was out at literature. All right. Um, I'm just going to take a guess. A, I would say sort of an educated guess. So let's go with nine. Way higher than that. Uh, Captain Conister? Yeah, it's I, duh, I'm going to say... 18 because as an Aggie we rely on our class year for everything so I don't know I know it is quite a bit but I'm gonna go with 18. Yeah so it is definitely higher than that it's 23. Mm -hmm. uh, Canada, the United States, Mexico, and all the sovereign states in the Caribbean and Central America. Boom! I forgot about the Caribbean. Yeah see, see how they do that? Yeah. See how they do, that would be a test that would that'd be a question on a cyber test. Yes, yeah, that's, that's a sec plus question for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so maybe maybe we'll be able to get this one. In my head, this one's a little easier, but um, what measures distance north or south of the equator, latitude or longitude? Ah, yeah. Ladder, ladder. Yeah, latitude. A ladder, yeah. latitude. Yeah, I think everyone's saying latitude. Yeah, that's that's definitely the right answer. Shoot the J. Yeah, ladder. <laughs> Shoot it. I, I definitely was taught the ladder. Like, think of the ladder yeah, that's climbing. that's what yeah. I got to. Sweet. Okay. All right. Last uh, little section. Grammar and spelling. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Maybe uh, Cam Chronister can show up and show out again on this one. Yeah, please um, do. I don't know. In the sentence, quote, Sally is a very good drummer. What part of this? What part of speech is the word very? So the sentence: it's, it's Sally describing. is a very good drummer. What part of speech is the word very? It's descriptive. Um, I. I uh, want to, noun or a verb? I want to say gonna, it's an adverb. I was, but yeah, I'm with Captain Chronister on this. It's an adverb because it's describing the, uh, like the action, like it's not like uh a current action it's like it's describing whenever i see or hear like an ly or a y at the end of a word that's describing i immediately jump to adverb adverb is correct yeah that's it descriptive that's yeah, that's it. yeah adverb it's just not like literally saying it's like oh it's red or hairy or scary so yeah, yeah. all right so 
last one um what like um oh wait I, I lost the question okay there it is which word is a possessive noun women sue boys or flower is the boys have a, a it's apostrophe yes okay there we go yeah i, no. say, man, I need that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was about to ask are there any apostrophes out there yeah yep, yep boys apostrophe yes that is correct all right cool so i all still right. graduated <laughs> yeah nice barely. job everyone. just barely nice job everyone all right captain sledge i'll hand it over to you you got anything for yeah those finish the sentences yeah so we can do that one i actually want to uh give uh captain cronster a little bit of challenge normally what happens is uh connect general normally has a series of questions for me uh, from a, a given source, a commissioning source for folks who just need some advice or whatever. Um, I want to uh, defer that to Cam Cronster and just uh, do a, a check on how she she thinks of this and what's going on. So this is from the USAF Commissioning Mentorship Network, uh, where a lot of uh, enlisted folks ask, um, you know, prior enlisted officers and things like that for help. Um, but uh, this is an opportunity for uh, for you to kind of hear what's going on out there in the operational and, and, and render some advice um, that you think uh, this person should do, right? We're not replying to that person, but I'm just going to throw it out there and see what you got. Is that cool with you, uh, yeah. Cam Crown? Mm -hmm. All right, sweet. So uh, looking in, uh, so this, this is a uh, anonymous member. Uh, they're saying, looking into commissioning, kind of feel lost and defeated, and my leadership has informed me that since I don't lead troops in my primary duties as staff sergeant, they will not push me to get a strap. I ask for feedback on what I can do to deserve the opportunity to compete and was informed that they, cannot, uh, they can't win that fight. I asked about getting put in for ROTC or Schlep A, which is a, a commissioning program position, but I was also informed that they will not be recommending me as I will not be competitive enough. What can I do? I am not content with watching my career stagnate and die as a staff. I have several group and wing quarterly wins, two annual wing awards, and I still don't deserve to promote or advance. I not only work maintenance, but I am also running five squadron programs, three flight programs, three AF, uh, Air Force Sergeant Association committees on the tip of four classes every eight weeks. I have the drive and motivation, but I'm slowly losing that fight. So as now I have my opinions about how I would handle that, but the question is how would you, uh, given this situation and you're talking to the staff sergeant, how would you uh, counsel them and what, what advice would you give them? It's a lot to chew in, right? So let's break yeah, it down. Definitely a lot. So First and foremost, um, if you do not believe that you are number one, no one's going to believe that you are number one. That being said, you have to put in the work and the effort to really be and feel that. Um, given that he did list or that person, anonymous person listed a, um, a myriad of different things that they've accomplished and they're actively doing. So if leader number one doesn't listen to you, bump that go to the next one. If leader number two doesn't listen to you, bump that. Keep going, keep asking questions because the second you give up, no one else is as invested in your career as you are. And if it's not your leadership chain that's gonna help you or answer your questions, find a mentor. 
find someone that is willing to listen to you and help point you in the right direction and then chase it down. Yeah. So, um, first of all, I, I, I took a look at this and I read it a couple of times and I actually was pretty saddened about this. And I, I totally understand it because sometimes in the maintenance career, especially in the maintenance career field, it could be, uh, very, very, um, very, it can be very tough when you're all actually working the flight line. Uh, the culture is a little bit different and, uh, they, you know, it's hard to acknowledge the late bloomers. I was a maintainer. I was a late bloomer. Maintenance wasn't my thing. Right. Um, and it took a while for me to kind of blossom, even as an avionics guy, uh, which is on supposedly the, the tip of the iceberg. Um, but I still had, you know, troubles in there and I wasn't a senior airman below the zone and all that. Cause it was like, man, you don't, you don't work hard enough. Right. And I was like, well, that part of my, you know, that part of me isn't the, the, the thing is, you know, where my main claim to fame is how I think. I, I think differently. That's my specialty, right? So uh, it's hard to grow in those areas. So my guess is that he's in an environment in which none of the stuff that he does is valued. So, uh, and that's very sad, right? They want, you know, maintenance, they, you, you, you get your value on the line. They don't really you know, value the other stuff as much as that line when you're a staff sergeant or senior airman. So you got to kind of know where you need to shine. And, and it's unfortunate, but the, the same, at the same time, this person has, you know, annual awards and quarterly wins according to this, um, this writing here. So obviously it's recognized at some point. So we got to find out, I would re re recommend to this person to find out where that break is. Um, where that break in communication is, because if I'm getting acknowledged at this level, then obviously somebody knows I exist. Um, but why do you guys at this level are not rec are see me worthy, right? So, um, and I just threw that out there, uh, Captain Cronister, so that you can see, because you're going to get folks coming to your office all the time, and I know you're going to be super welcoming, um, because I don't take any scrubs under my wing. So uh, I, I know you'll be able to take them in, but they're going to come in with with issues like this, especially when it comes to ROTC and just life in general. But um, I kind of just wanted to give you that that space, to, like that's the headspace that you're going to have to be in, and um, and how to you know think about how to you know get them out of those situations or what recommendations you can offer. So, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, it, uh, you make a lot of good points. There's definitely a disconnect. If you're winning awards, uh, but your leadership is not willing to push you forward for something that you think is really advantageous, advantageous for you and the greater force, there's definitely a disconnect. And uh, being able to, one, internally reflect and see if there's anything that you're um, not meeting is really important and it's really hard and takes a lot of maturity for a lot of folks to, to be able to do. Um, so yeah, by any means, folks coming in and talking to me, we can sit down and have those conversations and see um, if it's a communication issue or it's a perception issue or where that disconnect is. Okay, cool. So with that, um, uh, Captain Crosser, I thank you. You're still hanging with us. You guys, for those who don't know who are just joining us, we have Captain Cronister here from uh, United States Space Force, who will be taking my position uh, as cadre member when I leave here. Uh, Cadet General, where is the boat going now? 
boat is pretty much ending today sir we're kind of at time but um we just wanted to thank you again captain chronister for joining us today we really really appreciate you um spending your time on a friday afternoon on a zoom call um from wherever you're at so um a thank you again and we really do look forward to you uh coming into our detachment next year so um, I think all of, if I if I may speak on behalf of Debt 4, we're very excited for you to come out here soon. Thank you. Thank you. I'm also very, very excited. Looking forward to get back in the Las Vegas area and seeing what I can do um, with my Aggie tools and tricks to get you guys not only into field training, well past field training, but to becoming super stellar LTs that the force needs. Um, by all means, uh, go to Captain Sledge if you want my contact information, especially those seniors that have gotten their drops. Um, I've talked to one already that's going into cyber tech school. But if anyone has questions about Space Force or Air Force, um, just wants a different perspective from uh, the abundant cadre that you already have, I'm yeah. more than willing to answer those questions in the meantime. And yeah. if there's anything that you guys want to know um, upon my arrival, if you want a deeper dive, of who I am, what I'm about, uh, let me know and I will prepare something so that way I'm ready to hit the ground running when when I get there. That's awesome. Sweet. Well, yeah. Um, like I said, we don't want to take up too much of your time on a Friday afternoon, so we'll let you go. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening and tuning in. I will uh, hand it back to Captain Sledge for his um, closing. So this is for those who are kind of fearful of a new challenge. Those who are hesitant, right? It doesn't matter if you're a leader, supervisor, or you're an end user, right? Who's just trying something, right? This, this message is for you all, okay? I want you all to understand that fear and hesitation is, is, is natural to us as human beings. It's a part of us. There's nothing we can do about it. We, we all experience it at a certain, uh, to a certain extent, okay? But just because we experience it doesn't mean it, we have to all experience it in the same fashion, the same way. Now, what are you guys are trying, trying to figure out? What, what am I getting at? What, what, what are you talking about, right? Fear is fear, right? Right? I'm supposed to be scared of fear. See, see, that's where you're wrong, okay? Most people are scared of fear, right? I get it. Like, fear is a scary thing, right? It, it, it inhibits us. It stops us, right? For the most part, that's how we we are culturally, um, we accept it. That's how we culturally accept it. But I'm telling you that you have to look at it from another way. There's, an, there's another angle in which you can look at and, and experience it, okay? There is a way to weaponize it. There's a way to use it to your advantage, right? And it's all about how you mentally perceive it, okay? When we're scared of something, we actually, you know, again, we, we withdraw, we back up. We, we don't know, you know, something. So we're, we fear the unknown. But that's not the only solution when it comes to fear and when it comes to hesitation and all those things that come with it, okay? I listen to a lot of folks when they have inspirational speeches and one, uh, by what I heard by Polly Rosenberg was uh, the concept of fear. 
right? And he, he simply mentions, I'm paraphrasing here, that fear is a powerful thing. It's a powerful emotion that we deal with every single day, right? The fear of the unknown, right? Fear of being successful, fear of failure, all kinds of things, different fears, right? Um, so, but if you, if you view it as energy, fear is an energy that, that can be harnessed and can be used, right? Most people put fear in front of them. If you think of it mentally, it stops you. It hesitates you from correcting somebody that needs to be corrected. It stops you from uh, trying something new out in life, right? It literally inhibits your life, right? It doesn't, it doesn't save it. It inhibits it sometimes, right? So if you want to go become something greater than yourself, but you actually have fears and inhibitions, then your life will be stopped by that, right? That's fair. That's a fair assessment, right? Okay, that's what I'm trying to get at, okay? Putting that fear in front of you is what's stopping you. So simply, let's, let's use a little bit of algebra. Let's use a little bit of math. How about putting some of that, that, that energy, that fear behind us, right? And it's going to go in the same direction, right? And have it push you from behind versus having it in front of you and literally pulling you in a different direction that you, you choose not to go or even just stopping you, right? So in, in layman's terms, literally putting the fears, whatever that fear is, instead of having it in front of you, let it push you, you know, put it behind you and let it push you to the direction that you're going in. Now, a lot of people are asking, how do you do that? You got to think about what you're doing and what's on the line. Okay. For example, I am a, I, I was, when I left at my home at 19, right? I left my mother's house. I didn't want to be a burden to her. I'm, I'm an adult male. I need to get out there and do my own thing. Okay. So when I got out into the Air Force, I was going through basic training. It was completely new to me, complete environment change, right? I'm scared, right? Like it, it is, I don't know what's going on around me. It's noisy. I, I can't get anything right. But the fear of me going home empty handed outweighed the fear of anything I was staring at in front of. Do you get what I'm saying? Does that make sense? So I knew that I could not come home empty-handed. I was able to use that thought, that positive thinking, and use that to put the fear, any fears I had, behind me and push me harder. I was able to learn more efficiently. I was not afraid of failure, right? I'm going to fail from time to time, but I wasn't afraid of it. I knew that I was going to learn, try again, and get it right. And man, did I mess up a lot out there, but I still made it, right? So regardless of what you're doing today, practice changing the mentality of those things that are challenging you. Think about what happens if you don't do that. Can you explain to your kids, your grandkids, or whomever, your, your friends and family, why you could not complete something and it's due to fear, right? I was scared of it. I don't know if that'll go over well. It might, but right, they're going to say, well, why didn't you just try, right? So you don't want to have to answer that. So my, my, my biggest suggestion for you is always try, right? And if you have fears, which are natural, try and find the mentality. Try to find the inspiration and motivation. 
to figure out how to get that fear behind you and push you in front. Now, fast forward 19 years in the military, I got a wife, I got five kids, I got a lot of people that's dependent on me, right? To me, there's a lot of fears that make, that could, if they came true, my family would be in a lot of trouble, right? So, I mean, literally failing a PT test, that's a threat to, to my, my family's livelihood. I cannot fail there, right? I know the, the answer to the test every time, right? But there's always a natural fear that, you know, you're going to fail. There's always a risk, right? Even if you work out and all that stuff like that, any airman or guardian will tell you, man, I've, I've taken this test, I don't know how many times, but it's still the same feeling every time because a lot is riding on it. So instead of just being scared of it and hesitating, use that energy, convert it and say, you know what? If I don't get this right, my family doesn't eat. And I want my family to eat comfortably, right? I've worked too hard for this. So I'm going to put that fear behind me and let it push me forward. And I promise you, you do more push-ups, you do more sit-ups, everything is more solid, right? Your runtime is faster because you've got the right inspiration, motivation, and purpose behind it. It's not just because the Air Force wants you to do it. And that's great, right? We, we've got to do what we do, right? Whatever your company does, we got to do what it wants us to do. But I want y'all to understand that there are natural fears that come with those with life. Try to figure out a way to get that fear behind you and have it push you forward, okay? Every single day I get up and I'm up at, I'm up at four in the morning. I got to be, I got to be up. I have to be up at four in the morning because that's the only time I can get all of my stuff done, okay? Before everybody even gets up. You know, I, I'm doing PT at four o'clock in the morning because I, 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 there's no other time for me to do it. I'm doing my mental meditations at, at five o'clock in the morning because that's the only time I can get it done, right? So when I get up in the morning, I have to get up to and, and jump off the cliff, right? If you can imagine all of us getting up in the morning and jumping off the same cliff every day, right? We have a parachute, right? The parachute is our normal everyday routine, right? If you think about it, right? I am inspired, I am motivated, I have a purpose to jump off that cliff. If I don't, things are gonna be very, very bad. It's gonna escalate or spiral out of control very bad, badly, very quickly. So every day I jump off the cliff. My question to you is, what makes you jump off the cliff every day? Are you inspired? Are you motivated? Do you have purpose when you jump off the cliff, right? Okay, remember, your life experiences and your routine, that's your parachute. Right, that, that when you pull it, the, the parachute gets you to where you need to go, right? And you get to the bottom, which is the end of your day. You go back up there, you know, go back up the next day and you jump again, okay? So your parachute works. So I need you to ask yourselves, what makes me jump off that cliff? Is it my college degree, right? Is it a commission in the United States military? Is it that next CEO job? Is it... You know, is it my family, right? My family depends on me to jump off that cliff every day, right? You have to look deep inside yourself and figure out what's making you jump off that cliff. And if it's just, I'm just going through the rotation and going through the motions, then you're going to have a very, very tough adventure because you can't get behind it. You have to understand what's it, what, what did you pack in your parachute? What are the things in your life 
that are inspiring you to go, right? I'm not saying just go up there and jump out there just to jump out there. I mean, really take a deep look at it, okay? For me, it's my family. It's, it's my reputation. It's my honor. It's, my, it's everything. It's all of that. All that gets me up there. Right. And all of that gets me jumping off the cliff at four in the morning. Hey, and granted, sometimes, hey, life don't go the way it's supposed to go. You pull your parachute string and it don't deploy. Right. Sometimes it don't deploy when it's supposed to. It don't deploy in the shape that it's supposed to. Those are our trials and tribulations in life. All right. That happens. Sometimes it, 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 it doesn't. Right. It doesn't pair. It doesn't go at all. But guess what? You're going to tumble, you're going to stumble, you're going to panic because you're just free-falling now. And that's scary, right? You don't want to hit the ground, right? But I promise there is a force, there is a being, whatever you think of, universe, God, whatever the case may be for those who are religious, you are going to be okay. Somebody is, some force of nature, something is going to go out there, jump out there. They don't let you struggle a little bit because, you know, we go through our struggles, right? We got to tumble a little bit, right? It ain't a perfect ride every time, but eventually... Right. Something comes out of the woodwork and, and pulls our string for us. Right. And in and, and our parachute deploys. Right. And we glide on down and we have a good ride. And then if you are, if you wake up tomorrow, the next day, that means your mission is not complete. That means you you're supposed to be doing something. You're supposed to be inspiring other people. You're supposed to be motivating others. So get your behind back up. Yes, you had a rough day. We get it. We all have rough days. Get back on that cliff. And jump again, okay? Because you're supposed to jump again. You're supposed to have those rides, right? If you don't have those rides, then you don't appreciate the easy ones, the ones that are smooth, right? So welcome those challenges, okay? Be inspired and be motivated, all right? So with that being said, trust in the higher call and talk to somebody different than you. And always remember, achievement of your goals is always a little bit of divine intervention, a lot of family, a lot of hard work, and maybe, like Captain Sutton says, maybe a little bit of chill. All right? Make sure you guys do good out there. Make good choices.